Welcome to the First World Philippines Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike, and welcome to today's special episode of the First World Philippines podcast. Today, we focus on a small piece of Manila called Tondo. Now, for those that are not familiar with Manila, Tondo is one of the most poorest parts of the Philippines. It is home to some of the most disadvantaged communities in the Philippines. Ironically, the area long time ago was one of the wealthiest parts of the Philippines. Um, today it's the most disadvantaged. And even though we can focus on the negative side of things, within the pain, within the poverty, there is a beautiful, there is beautiful hope. There is people working really hard to empower others to break free from these vicious cycles of poverty. And one such organization is an organization called Young Focus, which was founded in 1992 by an amazing Dutch and English couple, Paul and Anne Vigierden. Sorry if I incorrectly pronounced your surname. I know it's a tongue twister, Vigierden. It's a Dutch name, but Anne and Paul, uh, Paul from the Netherlands, Anne from England, are just two extraordinary, amazing people. I met them four years ago when I first came to the Philippines. I got to spend a few time, a few, I think three times I've been to their... Um, their residence in uh, Tondo, uh, where sorry, the, the, their school is, where their facilities are, and it just inspires me every single time. It's just a, such a special place, and I'm, I know that you are going to get some great value out of this interview. Personally, some of their answers are my all-time favorite answers to some of the questions that I answer ask f- uh, folks, especially foreigners that are involved with the Philippines. This is a powerful episode, guys, and I'm so grateful that these two amazing people met time to be interviewed and share their stories and their insights on how can we end poverty in the Philippines? How can we uplift those people that are caught in these vicious cycles? Extremely, extremely inspiring. Check this episode out. Take care. So we're here with Anne and Paul, the co-founders of Young Focus here in the Philippines. An amazing story. I don't know where to start this interview, but I would like to perhaps go to the beginning and has the initial vision, how different is Young Focus today compared to that initial dream you had at the beginning when you started it? Yeah, <laughs> well, at the beginning really we, we came here with uh, Youth of the Mission as a missionary organization, so not necessarily we had a vision like we have now, so yeah. we were young people, had some ideals, thought yeah. that we could s- change the world at that time. Um, but obviously that's not really possible um, but yeah now I think it is more like a, a process right yeah. you get a bit older and you learn things and, and it turned into young focus so we came we came here in 1988 yeah. went back to the Netherlands in 94 came back to the Philippines in 2008 and that's actually where really young focus started as an organization like we have at this point wow. mm. and what about for you yes um, it's so utterly different um, in many ways, I was just talking to you earlier about how yeah. uh, uh, when, you s- when you look around what's happening 
Mm. Um, it could be tempting for visitors maybe to think, wow, you know, they really thought through everything. <laughs> it seems so holistic. Uh, yeah. um, but we cannot take credit. It's not that we sat down all those years ago and thought, okay, think, let's think of a holistic program mm. and what we're going to have. We, we started with just the basic idea mm. of making sure that uh, kids from this area could complete their education. Mm. It's just as simple as that. Whatever it took mm. to help them get as far as they could, yeah. possibly uh, academically. Yeah. That's, that was the starting point. And everything else that's come up around that, yeah, um, yeah that, that's, that's the hundreds of stories. Yeah. And some of them had something to do with us and some, and some of them not at all. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and that's one of the reasons why we're passionate about networking. Mm. Um, because we are experiencing the benefits of that, yeah. or rather the students yeah. are exp experiencing that. So what has surprised you <coughs> most, uh, most about the growth of uh, Young Focus since, I guess, 2008 it started, mm. that baby started growing, and that's 10-year anniversary this yes. year? Yeah, that's Indeed. right. What's, uh, what surprised you the most? in terms of uh, how it's changed and evolved over the, the 10 years? I think for me it's 2008, we came here with a vision and I mm -hmm. thought we were um, in a way happy with what we had at that time because we knew that we were able to work out a vision by uh, you know, providing tutorials and providing uh, everything that the kids need to go to school mm -hmm. but without really an idea of where it would go to. To, to you know 10 years, I mean I didn't, in 2008 we didn't think of okay what will happen in 2018 that was just not the case. We were just happy to be able to, to work out that vision. Yeah. So in a way, what surprised me the most, I guess, is just that it indeed happened and that we grew from, you know, like uh, a couple hundred students to 1,100. Actually, this year, I think we had 1,300 students. Wow. And, that, and that was not planned at that moment. And, it's, and I guess we are the kind of person that like planning, but on the other hand, we, we, just, we just did it. And, and, then, and, it just, and then it just develops. And I would say, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without uh, our staff, without our team. We are the only foreigner, so to speak. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, th I think, you know, the, the Filipino team that we have here is just amazing. Mm. And that grew from about three to 69 we had this year. And it's just a, an amazing team that did a lot. That is wow. So it's really, it doesn't, it doesn't go to us all the credit. It really goes to the team, the managers and, uh, and the team that works for us. Has there been times on the journey where you came close to thinking this this won't work, or not not just maybe internally, but having other people advise you this is what you're doing here. It, it's not sustainable. That those discouraging voices maybe they're well intended, but how have you managed to deal with voices from the outside that said your work here is just a drop in the ocean? That you're not making a difference. How do you respond to the kind oh, of it's the, the the drop in your ocean? That that is not really something that would discourage me. Yeah. Um, you know, th but it, but more like I mean, it was like actually in 2008, yeah. uh, we we were running the show, so to speak, for a few months. That even our colleagues in the Netherlands were saying, "What do you need? 120,000 euro next year? There's no way we can come up with that. We better sell the organization. We better give it away to another organization. Uh, at least you got uh, the framework there." Um, you got the context, you got the students, why don't we just give it away and let's just forget about it. Yeah. 
And so we, we just gave up our company in the Netherlands. We were only here for six months. I said, well, that's not something I want to hear at this point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we have to move on. But they really discouraged us and say, yeah. I, I think they were panicking that they were not able to um, fundraise enough mm -hmm. so we could indeed continue. So they, it's like it, we quickly started to grow mm -hmm. and it became a big monster yeah. for them. And then we thought, no, there's no way. I mean, we, you know, we, we started this and we will move on. Um, that was after six months already, so that was six quite months. a discouraging time yeah. <laughs> at the beginning. After that, it, it went better indeed, and, and also recently we had, we had some difficulties with finances. Mm. We had some difficulties of donors, you know, that pull back. Um, yeah, I mean, you're very much dependent on finances that other people give, and, and I think that's one of the, the most challenging things. Mm. Um, every year you've got a number of students that need all the provisions for to go to mm. school, and at the same time, you need the finances to finance that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest challenge, really. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised in a way because, you know, you hear often in companies and organizations that the people, the, the people working in organizations are often the challenge because you have to keep all those people together. Mm. And that has never been really a, a heavy thing to us, but it's mm. just the sustainability of finances is, has been always a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Mm. And it's on an almost monthly basis sometimes. Mm, no, fortunately not, no. Yeah. But yearly base, let's say yearly, yeah, base. yearly base, yeah. Great. So we are really working hard now and I think that's that it will take a while that we have a bit of a buffer, that we have a bit of a uh, at least that we can uh, you know, run the show for another year before uh, before we have to say goodbye to <laughs> the yeah. students and to staff. No, but it's yeah, yeah it's it's more like it's really living from year to year. Yeah. So that's the uh, yeah. Has it been maybe going back to that first few years? Has, was there a particular story that affirmed to you that you were doing the right thing? I know maybe this is a broad question, but is there a particular <laughs> student or staff member that how they've benefited from the experiences of Young Focus that just for you was the 100% the, the evidence you ever, if you, there ever was a doubt in your mind, that person, that individual just gave you the affirmation that you needed at that particular time? Uh, who comes to mind? The whole stream of faces. <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. I mean, maybe just a, tight, a slight sidestep okay. <coughs> to that question, and then Paul could be thinking of uh, <laughs> a specific person. Uh, but um, there was a time that we'd been away and we came back, and in that time, because um, uh, the garbage dump has been closed down several times mm. and it's been relocation of people, but basically most have stayed in this area mm. and the dumping of uh, garbage and the uh, recycling the um, yeah living off uh, selling garbage uh, recycled garbage to the junk shop that whole business has basically been going on for the last um, 60 years mm. uh, no matter where they move the garbage dump uh, it's been staying close by but um, when while we've been away the original Smoky Mountain had been closed down yeah. And when we came back, there was what was known as Smoky Mountain 2. Mm. And I'll never forget uh, walking on there for the first time and um, feeling this really weird feeling, bizarre feeling of, um, it's my first time here, but everything is so utterly familiar. You know, the smell of rotting garbage, uh, mm. people building their shacks literally on the garbage, mm. uh, wires everywhere, fat flies sitting on every millimeter wire, you know, uh, the, the heat. Uh, the whole the whole deal and then that feeling of incredible dismay discouragement you know mm. after all this nothing has changed mm. this extreme poverty this 
the way people have to live, it's nothing has changed. And you, 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 yeah, despair is only the only word I can describe that emotion. And like, what's the point? Mm. Um, but thankfully, that those emotions only lasted half a minute because then you start remembering those faces. Yeah. And you know that individually, uh, there are individuals whose lives have utterly changed. Yeah. And the big problem of poverty, yes, it's, there's a long way to go. Yeah. But uh, individual by individual, student by student, family by family, uh, there, there's massive life-changing changes yeah. uh, where people, where kids don't have to follow their parents in the sense of becoming scavengers or charcoal burners. Mm. They have a good, complete education, mm. and they have a good career. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't think uh, necessarily a person that comes to my mind, yeah. but just generally speaking, to see kids graduate. And it's not always, you know, when they graduate from college that inspires me, but even when they, uh, when we have a graduation parties for uh, the Love to Learn, that's one of the dropout programs yeah. that we have. Um, at the end of the year, um, the kids are ready to go to back to a regular school, so they mm -hmm. dropped out before, go back to the regular school, and at the end of the year we have that graduation party, so to speak, and then, I mean, that gives, th that gives me a, a, you know, a tremendous amount of joy, just the, the fact that they go back to school, mm -hmm. and knowing that if they would not have gone through this program, that would have meant uh, they were just walking around there on the street somewhere, or you know, no, no education whatsoever, and they will never go back to school by themselves. Yeah. So just simply because of a program that you have, that you bring them back to school, that, that gives me more than satisfaction, yeah. really. Mm. Information. Uh, yeah. And actually, you've met a couple of, couple of the people, uh, Grace at the preschool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ramses, who we're talking to in the library. Yeah. These are. I shouldn't call them kids, they're young adults <laughs> now, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they come from this area, and look at them now. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't be more proud. Yeah. And yeah, think how their parents must feel. They're breaking yeah. the cycle. They're, they're yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, we, we got about um, ten, 10 students that are now working for us, you know, our students that students, actually, yeah. sorry? Former students, yeah. Uh, yeah the f former students were now working for us, and it's just it's amazing. And I, I didn't want them to work for us, actually. I wanted them to go out there in the world yeah. and, you know, and explore the world. At the same time, they are a tremendous resource, mm. as they know so much more about the community than we do. Mm. Um, so once they start joining us, then you see actually how, how valuable they are to us as young folk. So we are happy now to have them. Mm. <laughs> so it's the, the best ambassadors. Yeah, in a way they are. Yeah. And of course, for sure, many of them will move on and, and find another job. But we really prepare them here uh, yeah. to, to move on. And we definitely benefit from it. Yeah. Mm. So changing gears, still connected to Young Focus. But I guess the question is for someone who's still a baby in the Philippines, three years or approaching four years, compared to your uh, more senior years here in the Philippines. Mm. How has this country changed you? Because it's tempting <coughs> to, uh, of course, both to be born, born in England, born in the Netherlands, mm. uh, the opportunity to stay in the, the Western world or wherever it may be. Um, how, what keeps you in this country and how has it changed you over the years? Uh, that's a deep question. That's <laughs> a deep question. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Oh, man. I think uh, one of the interesting moments in our lives that we didn't expect was, uh, so we'd left the Philippines in 94, but it, was, it took us nine years before we were able to come back for a visit. And I will never forget stepping off the airplane uh, into the humidity of Manila. 
and feeling like we've come home. Yeah. And I had had not expected that. I just thought it'll be so nice to see old friends. And, but I was a bit nervous as well because mm. nine years I've been we've been away, and. Um, yeah, that indeed that that moment so the seed of the idea maybe we're meant to come back and to live, not just to visit. And uh, maybe it's five years later that we did do that. Mm. But one, I'd say one. It's a more specific answer to your question. One of the things that curious things that happens to foreigners in this country, mm. maybe it's happened to you, is um, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, at least in my brain, it doesn't make sense, but it's real. Is that if for some reason it's, you, there's a freedom to be yourself. Yeah. Uh, a bigger freedom to be yourself in this country than in my home country mm. and that could have to do with all kinds of expectations I don't know but uh, we surely enjoy that mm. uh, yeah and I, I see like Paul is Dutch <coughs> I see him how he's <coughs> how he is in Holland mm. I see obviously how he is here and I think he's more himself in this country don't ask me why, but uh, it's something to do with freedom to be yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how do you feel? <laughs> mm. Just to throw it back at you, is that also ah. something you feel? I'll answer while Paul is thinking of his yeah. answer. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely inspired me more to be a better version of myself. Mm. And this morning we were talking um, about, even this morning my alarm went off at 5.30 a.m. And one of the, there's a temptation in my brain to sleep in, or a temptation to to be lazy or selfish, but a higher thought that comes to my mind is um, to be a better influence to others, mm. and that I don't want to be a hypocrite to the students that I get the opportunity to share mm. and speak to, and so the f actually the Filipino inspires me to be a better man. I don't think I would have that same energy and drive living in, I lived in America for a while, or living in Europe. Yes, there's challenges, and there's so many people pointing out the challenges, but I flip the coin and say there's just 100,000 more opportunities here for each challenge. And it just brings out the best of me, because I think if I wasn't living in the Philippines, there'd be a more foolish, selfish, uh, lazy version of me living in my own country. Mm. And I just thank God every single day. And my two sanity check-ins is sunrise and sunset. <laughs> so sunrise and sunset every day where I just you know, have that conversation with God wow thank you for bringing me here this mm. is um, there's so much opportunity here and, and as Paul mentioned earlier to know that in some small way that you have a way of, of uh, accelerating that path of an uh, ambitious young Filipino mm. and to reach their potential not just for themselves but for their community it's I think it's walking on holy ground I just mm. that feeling is um, I think I experienced it first when I worked in Africa for two years, and um, but that feeling just incomparable to any uh, quote-unquote material pleasure of mm. the world. I mean, yeah, I I'm not a minimalist. I like my devices. We're talking about devices earlier. Yeah, it's it's nice, but there's no greater feeling in the world than uh, seeing someone go closer to the potential and knowing that in some small way that you helped guide them to that. Mm. So the Philippines, without a doubt, brings out the best of me and. I, I'm reminded of that every morning when my alarm goes off, because I, I don't want to. I don't want to be lazy for them. Mm. They they deserve so much more. And they're, yeah, they're beautiful people. I am I'm blessed because I'm here. Um, but I'm inspired by you guys. I I've learned so much from you guys. <laughs> uh, how would you answer that question, Paul? Um, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm Dutch and I'm not Dutch anymore. That's <laughs> to start off with. I so think you might need to expand the Dutch stereotype. <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a certain bluntness and a directness that I still have and an honesty. And, but at the same time, there is, I feel embarrassed when I go to the Netherlands and I see how people treat each other. Yeah. And I feel embarrassed when the Dutch are coming here and how they treat the Filipinos sometimes. So it's like, you know, and of course I learned from the British um, culture as well. But no, I, I think, I indeed think that I got, uh, um, I, I learned a lot from the Asian culture, from the Filipino culture in, in general. And, uh, and to be able to mix that, I think that's in a way, I, s I see that as a privilege. Mm. So for sure, there's some Dutch things that I could, that helps also in our way, how we run an organization, how we look at things. With Philippines, I would rather say with Manila, I have a love-hate relationship. I don't like Manila, to be honest. And yet we are here in the worst part of Manila, <laughs> I think, uh, the smell and everything else. And yet it's not me. Um, but that's see, that's the thing: the people that change everything, right? So it's it's really not the surroundings, and it's not the traffic, and it's not the smell and the yeah. and everything. It's the people that that really keeps me here. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the beauty of to the Philippines: are the people, yeah. in spite of all the struggles and the problems they're going through and the difficulties and. Not everything is perfect here, yeah. but for Western people, we can learn a lot, a lot from the Philippines. Yeah. Can, we, can we build on that last comment that you <coughs> made about learning a lot? And let's, let's we create this um, potential audience. So we have someone who is just a, a foreigner, let's mm. say from <coughs> Europe or America, Australia, <coughs> just arrived in this country. Um, <coughs> what advice would you give that person if their ambitions are to actually to work with Filipinos to um, in some Well, way. I would say one thing, you know, if you if you happen to know how things are supposed to go, you don't necessarily have to say that. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, especially the Dutch, we think that we have the right, if we know how things can be done better, we think yeah. we have the right to also to say it and yeah. straight away respond to it. It's, but you don't, ha you don't have that. You have the right, but you don't have to do it. Yeah. So, and I think that's one of the, the things what I, I just talked earlier about uh, being embarrassed when the Dutch are here. Yeah, I think that I'm embarrassed straight away. They're responding to things and said, oh, no, 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 it's just not appropriate now. Mm. Um, I think I've had a glass of wine now or a few glasses of wine and we would talk for a few hours. I think a lot will come out in terms of <laughs> how mm. can we as, as, as Westerners learn from the Asian culture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to me is indeed um, that, that, that patience that at the same time we, we struggle with as Westerners as well. You know, that sometimes things can be done better and more effectively. And on the other hand, you see the beauty of uh, why certain things takes time and need time. Um, yeah, I just, I, I the humor, I think the humor is something. The, um, at my age, I have to behave in a certain way because I am supposed to act my age. In the Philippines, it's not really an issue. It's not like, you know, this old man. It's, you know, this, this more, people are more equal in that sense. You know, when we, because we got hundreds of kids around here. They don't treat me as an old man. They just treat me as just normal, as a kuya, right? Or yeah, as a kuya, just, and, 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 and that, that's fine. And that, that's enough. So that, there's so many things in the Western culture that we lost respect in a way i mean we think that you know older people are don't necessarily have to give respect they're just old it, especially in the, in the work in the work area right we just push them aside when they passed 50 years old because <laughs> they're not uh, not needed anymore and it's 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 much complete more more whole here i guess and i think it's also how it naturally 
supposed to be like that. I think it's our Western culture that actually has changed things mm. that are um, naturally should not be there. Mm. Um, and that is that still here. Uh, and I think that's, that's a precious thing mm. that we, yeah, getting too deep now, I guess. I'm no, not I sure, but, I but I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find the words how to ex explain that. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, if, if you as a Westerner, you live here for a number of years in the Philippines, that you probably know what, what I mean. It is, it is, it is simply a, a more uh, uh, respect and acceptance of, of different ways of uh, uh, thinking and different age and, yeah, mm. just in general. How what would you add? Um, Anything to build on? Yeah, I would say if if I imagine, if I would, I suppose like, if I would speak to myself, the me that arrived or fresh off the boat or, the, or the plane, I would say, um, I don't underestimate just how deep those colonialistic thoughts go. Mm. That you come and you think that you know it's a new generation and you don't behave like you know the West don't behave like that anymore. But um, that, that colonialistic way of thinking, in other words, thinking that anything from your culture is somehow yeah. automatically better, mm. or more civilized, or more something, um, just assuming that is just so utterly wrong, and mm. that um, it will only cause harm. And uh, uh, one of the lessons we had to learn uh, early on, and thank God, literally, it was early on, was uh, when we first were here 30 years ago. Gosh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, about 30. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. Um, and uh, we were working with a missionary organization. And in this, like two miles down the road from here, so really mm. close by. And um, we were a group of, say, 30 people, most of us foreigners, from all kinds of different countries, um, mostly America. Mm. And and a few Filipinos. And um, the attitude, looking back, the attitude we had was, you know, we're, you know, we come here as missionaries, and we're going to do our thing, and these Filipinos, they will help us do our thing. Mm. And they will translate for us, they will assist us, they will let us. And, and at a certain stage, by the grace of God, we woke up to the reality that we got it completely on its head, mm. that as foreigners, we're only here, we're only here to serve the Filipino. We're not coming here to be served, mm. and uh, I, it, that you know, uh, it is profoundly wrong of us. It was mm. profoundly wrong of us to think mm. the other way around, but, uh, and incredibly freeing mm. to you know the truth sets you free, mm. and to suddenly realize, well, we're only here. It's a privilege to be here, and we're here to help the Filipino do his or her thing. Mm. We might have ideas. That's fine. But not to have again that colonialistic mentality. Look, here am I. You know, serve me, which is yeah. yeah. And uh, it's been done for centuries, and or maybe sometimes well-meaning, but uh, yeah. it unfortunately it, it has inevitably very bad fruit. Yeah. Uh, not just well for everybody, but also it gives the completely wrong message, mm. uh, even subconsciously, to the people you're with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, even to this day, you might find some of us Westerners walking around, and maybe we've been here 25, 30 years, maybe we speak fluent Tagalog, but we have this attitude mm. that is uh, expecting to be served, mm. and, uh, as, and we've, it, we've gotten away with it, mm. uh, because 
um, no one's held us to account. Mm. Whereas if we behaved like that in a home country, yeah. uh, we'd be despised. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but we get away, uh, get away with it in a foreign country, and, and maybe because people's jobs depend on it, so they don't dare question you because you're the boss, or mm. maybe just people are too gracious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a long answer to your question, but I think one of the mm. things I said, you, you're here to learn, you're here to serve, mm. uh, and it's going to be a joy. Mm. Um, yeah, for just kick out those thoughts of thinking you know better because you don't. Yeah. So if we talk about joy, uh, what parts of the the Filipino culture on a daily basis makes you smile and makes you and makes you kind of scratch your head at the same time in terms of the same <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely the humor makes me smile because we we are sometimes in the West are looking for a sophisticated humor I guess and and here it just it can be simple and it can be fun mm. I think I just that, that definitely makes me smile um, scratch my head at the same time um, just it's it's you know how we organize things right I mean obviously there is a difference between the Philippines and let's say the Netherlands if we if we organize an event in the Netherlands it has to be done months in advance you really um, plan things just simple even a simple let's say uh, meeting of a church or whatever it has it's planned ahead of time um, then you go to that meeting eventually planned on that date then you see a lot of things going wrong still even though they plan so much yeah. <laughs> in the philippines they don't necessarily plan months in advance sometimes it happens on the day itself and of course it still still keeps scratching my head so guys are we not starting a bit too late with organizing this thing we should have started a bit earlier and yet the event happens on that same day in the evening and everything goes fine you know there's always a solution and it's because there is that that working together is is so much uh, let's say better not organized <laughs> the fact that 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 people do do simply uh, work together and help each other out uh, and that happens a lot here in this in this uh, in this organization mm. where we have events and everything just goes smooth smooth uh, after the event it's cleaning up that happens within that you don't have to ask people to clean up it just happens mm. and and so those things are just we can learn so much from that mm. that attitude of, of serving and helping each other um, yeah, we have not learned that. So, yeah, I do scratch my head indeed uh, when things being organized at the last minute. And at the same time, it works. And mm. every time again, it's, it's always a good event. Yeah. <laughs> and we're always happy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no way to do that, to do with the concept of time. Yeah. And, that, and, it, uh, and it just, I, I find it superbly fascinating, amazingly fascinating, just how different cultures can experience something time mm. in such different ways that we we as Westerners uh, it's really linear mm. you know, past present future mm. we and that's we can't think any differently yeah. and um, after all these years I'm still coming to terms with or still trying to figure it out how it, it's not uh, that exists here but um, mm. it's more a phenomena time is a phenomena mm. phenomenon where more like a book no, and, and it's it's not this way. It's how much you've read and mm. how much you mm. your way where you are now and what you've still got to read. It's it's not it's not it's not the same. Yeah. And mm. um, I find that fascinating. But yeah. it also explaining how um, uh, um, people can be talking about an event and they're talking about it in such an excited excited way that you assume it's just happened like yesterday. 
but maybe it happened five years ago. Mm. You know, uh, it could be a good event or a bad event. Mm. Uh, our f um, obsession with time <laughs> in the West actually gets in the way because we're so, yeah. we're so we're so obsessed by it. We don't like the classic. For, for one classic example of many examples, I suppose, is the organised <coughs> party at our house, and. Um, and it's it was meant to start like around midday, and it started quite a few hours later. And it was an amazing party, and ev I think everyone had fun. But I couldn't help thinking, in Holland or England, simply because we started three hours late, yeah. that, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 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 just because of the time. So yeah. living in another uh, in a country with another culture mm. helps you realise where what you obsess over in your own yeah. culture. And again, so a, a way of uh, the privilege of walking <laughs> free from that. And enjoying another way of thinking. I love the way you've, you're f totally flipping um, the message because there's a there's a belief that uh, us, let's say, Western countries need to help the Philippines, whereas our conversation now is focusing how the Filipino culture can help us Westerners because mm. we know there's a lot of people in our home countries and uh, that are not happy people. And mm. They maybe materially have certain tick boxes ticked. But inside, there's a almost a sense of misery. Um, for you, uh, how what would you say are the top three lessons Filipinos can teach the Western cultures? You, you've touched on a few. <laughs> if we're, if we're I think there's, a s there's several areas I think we already touched, right? Yeah, yeah. That's indeed. Um, because I, if you don't mind, I just want to just still tell the story yes, because <laughs> just the the uh, yeah it happened a few years ago. It was the inauguration of this building. Yeah. So we invited a few Dutch people to come over because it was a big building was donated by uh, by Dutch uh, uh, people, and and they came over. Um, and the happening was supposed to start at two o'clock in the afternoon, um, and it was super hot. It was really a hot day uh, here on the roof deck. Everybody was there was no aircon whatsoever, so we were all sweating. And um, I think only half of the people were there at two o'clock when we were supposed to start. And so those Dutch people they got really quite upset with me. They said, we should really start, it's already 2.30. And look at all the people around us, they're all waiting. Mm. But all those people around them were Filipinos. Mm. Obviously, they were not waiting. <laughs> they, they knew that it would start an hour later or two hours later. Um, but they got, they got really angry with me and said, you really should start. I said, no, 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 don't worry, it's, it's okay. But it's, it's really hot now, it's, really, it's hot, you know, we're sweating and, and those people are all sweating. I said, don't, wor <laughs> don't worry about those people, <laughs> they're fine. I think you're the ones who are having a problem right now. And that's that's that is I think that's a lesson that we can definitely learn. You know that we we we, we have that tendency in 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 the West to to plan things so exactly and really think that we know how things are supposed to be and how the other person might think, uh, and yet there is no not that patience and that flexibility. Mm. I think that's that's a big thing for me personally as well. You know yeah. to to learn. Of course, I came here with a complete different. I'm a different person than 30 years ago for sure. Mm. And yet you still keep the characteristics of, of, of your, your Dutch mentality is still there, of course. Yes. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's again, I say it's a nice mix. Be able to, to learn from that and at the same time, uh, you know, keep your own identity. It's, it's not good to, to lose your, yourself, right? I mean, you, I don't have to be a Filipino and I want to be a Filipino even. <laughs> I'm okay with how I feel. Um, but the beauty is of learning indeed from, from the other culture. So the patience is definitely one, one yeah. big thing. Humor is another thing. The humor that I'm learning here, I cannot use in the Netherlands. Yeah. They would think I would be childish. 
mm -hmm. uh, it would not be accepted, and so I won't do it. So can, can you I give us exa uh, an example? That's uh, of course. I mean, obviously, when you live in the Philippines for a while, then you know that romance is a big thing, right? I mean, uh, whether you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old, you keep on joking about romance, about you know, love, and uh, even at my age, I'm teasing the girls or the guys here about uh, you know uh, the whole subject of love. Um, you don't do that in the West, of course. After a certain age, you're not supposed to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and here, it is, it is fun, it is humor, it's part yeah. of life, it is part of, of... It's just inside the, the genes, I would say, the Filipino. And yet, if we are really honest as Westerners, it's also deep inside of us as well, except yeah. we don't want to admit it anymore. Or it has been probably buried under a lot of layers of, yeah. of seriousness. <laughs> Uh, and I, th I think that's the beauty, um, you know, it, it, it comes up here when, of course, after a number of years, so I just realized that there's no way I can use that same humor in, in Holland uh, mm -hmm. that I use here. So I think that's a nice thing. Um, the patience in traffic, obviously, um, no doubt that in the Netherlands they will use their horn and people get really upset. I went back to the Netherlands uh, one day and I drove the car and was on a roundabout in Amsterdam. Amsterdam is full of bikes. Mm. Um, and I happened to cut off someone on a bike. And this guy starts swearing at me and really, really angry. I said, oh, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> did I do something wrong? Um, but yeah, obviously, that, that's something that would never happen in the Philippines. Mm. Um, so it is, is, yeah. We get, fr what I said earlier, we get a, a hate-love relationship with Manila because of the traffic. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, you learn how to be patient in traffic as well, yeah. and how to respect the other person. And just, so yeah, it's, uh, I think on a daily basis, uh, that, has, that has definitely changed us. Yeah. Yeah. And did he leave anything out? Uh, no, only the, the what you guys probably experienced uh, yeah. even today, is that walking around the area, um, um, well, at least I, I have experienced how, if I'm not putting this very well, but um, in, in, in the middle of abject mm. poverty, you'll see people laughing, playing, smiling, mm. having community, mm. uh, looking after their kids. Uh, um, I have a day of walking out there, I will see more joy than I would see in the you know, streets of my hometown. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, and the implication of that, and it is not suddenly to make abject poverty actually a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. not to glamorize poverty. Yeah, yeah. It is not mm. glamorous. It is, you know, if you're a mother with a sick child and you haven't got the money, money for medication, that's grim. Uh, there's mm. nothing nice about it. But there's something about community. There's something about the joy of being alive. There's something about the joy of being with each other uh, that we, as Westerners, have s we lost maybe... 50, oh, a century ago, mm. somewhere in our history, in our materialistic success, uh, we lost something. Mm. And um, it's not that you want the, uh, these streets, these squatter areas to become, you know, healing places for rich Westerners, you know, come <laughs> walk here and then you'll be grateful for everything. Mm. No, but the fact is, uh, it reali it, you realize that um, that somewhere you do swallow that materialistic lie that the more you have, the happier you'll be. Uh, but these people have barely anything, but they have more happiness. How yeah. come? Again, not to glorify or glamorize poverty, but um, the simple joys of being with each other. Mm. Uh, yeah, that we have profound lessons to learn from that. Yeah. So you mentioned 30 years since day one. 
the first experience and how to phrase this question what has been the biggest positive change you've seen in the Philippines in those 30 years and you can answer from the mm -hmm. both the micro and the, the macro yeah gosh that's indeed in many in many areas no it's yeah. I mean for us as Westerners of course it is way way easier to live in the Philippines now at that time mm. I think I think I mean economically speaking I'm not quite sure how it all worked that time but the country seemed to be more closed in terms of uh, import goods coming in in the yeah. country right so there was from let's say from our w the way how we would talk we say there's nothing was available <laughs> and, and now yeah everything is available so of course it's for uh, comfort of life yeah. it has it, it is indeed much 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 easier um, but in what I do find, yeah, what, what saddens me, I think it's really that the poverty is still there mm. and, and that is something that I probably would not have expected 30 years ago. So we walked on the very first Smoky Mountain that closed down in 1996. Um, 30 years later you still see that same Smoky Mountain, now it's uh, kind of a green hill with the layers of garbage you still see there, but the people around there and the communities around there is exactly the same. Mm. Um, so in that, that indeed, um, even though I don't think that we can change the world, I mean, of course, it's not up to us, yeah. and we do, there is an impact on, on, on people's life, but um, the fact that the country has not really been able to deal with that after so many years, in spite of the opportunities that the country had uh, in the world economy, mm -hmm. and compared to other Asian countries, then I think it, that's, that's sad, that, that, that yeah. makes me sad, and that's, I wish, I wish that had gone better and um, so now on the positive note <laughs> you got one <laughs> go, go for it yeah, no, the positive one is um, from our own experience like 30 years ago we were on the on this uh, missionary base and there was a bunch of foreigners and a few Filipinos and um, the reality then was it was only crazy Filipino, uh, sorry, it was only crazy foreigners who were crazy in this area yeah. trying to help people living on a garbage dump. Um, the city did not want to know. Uh, the richer Filipinos really did not want, they either didn't know about the existence of Smoky Mountain or they did not want to know. And even churches, even churches, the people you would expect to want to, would care, Filipino Christians did not care. There was a chasm. Uh, mm. and there's all kinds of reasons for that, so I won't go into that, but there, there surely are, there were reasons. Yeah. That is history. That mm. has changed. Mm. And that is the greatest encouragement for us of everything, of everything, of everything, is, is the fact that uh, Filipinos do care. This is a new generation. Mm. Mm. Whether it's through the internet, communication, I don't know. But this generation does care. I mean, look at the staff. Yeah. There's no foreigners. <laughs> I mean, okay, they're getting a salary, so it's not volunteer work. Yeah. But they, as I was saying to you earlier, you normally, when you get a good um, education, you head towards Fort on Kati. You don't head towards Tonda. Mm. You know, and and uh, um, these staff, these people, these individuals, these young professionals, mm. uh, they're Filipinos with a, that sounds so cliche, but you know, they do care. They are doing yeah, this. It's not yeah. just a job. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just a job. They're passionate about what they're doing. Um, that is the greatest hope. So on a macro scale, sure, oh my yeah. goodness, what is happening? But surely something is happening. Surely yeah. something is happening. And, um, and it's because Filipinos care. They really do care. Mm. And uh, they know about it. And they, they, they realize that, that that 
idea that, oh, it's so big, you know, we're just a drop in the ocean, blah, blah, blah. It's a lie. I mean, in a sense, the ocean is a whole lot of drops, eh? so, but I mean, it's a lie to think you cannot do anything, that you cannot make a difference. You can make a difference. And uh, to be quite honest with you, rather a whole lot of Filipino volunteers than anyone else yeah. um, uh, in terms of uh, helping what's going on mm. here. But yeah, um, that's the big change. Yeah. And the big hope. And the big hope. Yeah, that, that ocean is not the same anymore because of that one drop, right? So the ocean has changed already in, in consistency after that one drop. So, but indeed there is hope. And that's indeed a positive note. Yeah. It's for sure that the Philippine uh, companies and organizations and churches are much, much, much more involved in what we're doing than, than before. Um, that's definitely, I mean, income, let's say our support also comes from the Philippines, not only from abroad. It yeah. really comes from everywhere, and including the Philippines. So we've seen a lot of uh, change in that. So this is a nice shift into future vision, visioneering. Mm. So I'm going to ask two questions about uh, the future. One for your focus and one for the Philippines itself of what you think we can we will see in the Philippines in our lifetime so your lifetime <laughs> 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 yeah it's not that many years that's too soon it's more time what 10 years from now could you what's your vision for the young focus let's start there Oh, I, I definitely, what I think the, the, my biggest uh, vision is to see those kids that, are, that, do, that did graduate, mm. that we'll meet them on the way and, and they will have an impact in the lives of, uh, of other Filipinos. Um, I, I don't necessarily think in terms of young focus as you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm more interested in the quality of young focus mm. and the quality of students that we produce here mm. and, and, and their impact in, in this country. Mm. So. Sure, if we have uh, 1,100 uh, students now, maybe we might have double or three, triple. I mean, it's still, it's, it always remains that one drip, right? So it really is not that important to me, but the quality is very important yeah. to us. So in terms of what we offer to our students, um, our uh, tutorials and, and all the service we give, we do want to see change in kids' lives, and that really happens. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that and they can pass it on, I'll be very happy and mm -hmm. pleased. Yeah, so one, one person, one student can really make me happy. It doesn't have to be, let's say, yeah. all the 1100. And it's um, the impact they have on the fellow Filipino. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your vision for the... Yeah. <laughs> We're married, we have the same vision. <laughs> 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 yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think, yeah. 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 No, and, and uh, uh, I said earlier to you uh, downstairs about uh, the, the mothers who volunteer with the kitchen. Mm, the nutrition program. Yes, and, and how they have... You know, they've been trained and they realize about nutrition, good nutrition, and they've seen how they've changed the taste buds of their children and how they can make these meals and it's within mm. their budget. And they can eat healthy and healthier than the middle class families who just don't happen to know about yeah. uh, nutrition and how to spend your hard earned pesos. And um, indeed, w really, uh, whether Young Focus exists or not, it's, it's the mm. people that are here and raised mm. up and. Uh, whether they're mothers or students themselves. Uh, so the legacy of Young Focus is well, those stories. Yeah. Those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, yeah. if, if other groups, foreign or Filipino, preferably Filipino, could um, use this as a, uh, a blueprint franchise, whatever, yeah. um, mm -hmm. to do it over, uh, in other parts of the world, in the pro uh, other parts of the Philippines, in the provinces, yeah. um, 
in other parts of Manila, oh, well and good, you know, mm. because it works. Mm. Uh, it sounds simplistic, but education works. Yeah. It has really so does. many good... Absolutely. Uh, now we'll call it later old focus, that's fine. But yeah. as long as the legacy yeah. continues it. Renamed yeah. this old, old focus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With an old focus. Yeah. 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 The vision of this country, and I'll, I'll throw a provoking statements of first world Philippines in our lifetime. So um, let's pick a year to be specific, 2050. And many observers believe that the Philippines will be in a position to be called a first world country. Whatever, however you define that, well, let's say the end of poverty as we know it today, that it won't exist in the Philippines by 2050. So that's what, 20 something years, le less than 30 years from now. First of all, do you believe it's possible? And number two, if it is possible, how do you think this generation, especially you talked about that, but you're such hope for this generation, this generation of young Filipinos can guide their country to that destination. So it's a, it's a two-part question. Uh, yeah. Is it possible, number one? Um, it's a challenging question, I would say. Uh, challenging because, it's, you know, it's not just us, of course, mm -hmm. that can change the world here. <laughs> I mean, we won't be able to change the world here. We, we, we change, we have an impact on individual lives. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a lot needs to happen in that sense. Uh, not from foreigners, it's from the Filipinos themselves, right? Yeah. And of course, government plays a role, a very strong role. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of factors that can contribute to that, to that first class country. Although I'm not so interested in that first class country, really. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, first class or developing country. Well, you know, you can use all kind of uh, terminology for that. Um, but I, but I just love to see people getting, especially our our kids, that they know that they're worth uh, living for, for for what they are doing, that the talents are being developed, talents that God, I believe, has given to them, mm. that uh, that they can develop those, and not having that 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 attitude of okay, um, uh, I cannot do it. Uh, I'm born poor. Uh, mm. That's my destiny. That's where I'm from. Um, but giving that hope and giving that hope for the future, I really believe in. As country, I think I cannot really answer that question. <laughs> I think it, I think it'll it'll be, it'll be difficult. Mm. Um, uh, for me it is. Maybe not because I don't want to be negative, I just think there's a, a lot of challenges there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's uh, in a way again bring it down to what we see here is um, you see these uh, the people you've met today, um, <coughs> some of the people are either former students or are still students or just graduated. Because mm. um, we've done youth work in, uh, in Holland, right? Mm. So there's only one other country and I've done a bit of youth work in England. So. <laughs> So we can't compare with the rest of the world, but we are extremely biased towards what we see in the potential, the potential in this country, in this, mm. in this culture, uh, and especially from these people, because you know they, they've survived, they survive in really challenging circumstances. Mm. I like to say, if they're older than three, they're survivors, and it, um, it's as if if you give precisely these young people mm. opportunities. Mm -hmm. They will really fly, yeah. and more, more than the average Filipino, more than the average anybody. Mm -hmm. And there's even, uh, I don't want to over spiritualize things, but there's even a, a, a prophecy in the Old Testament, I think in Samuel somewhere, about you know, I will raise them off the ash heap and seat them among princes. Mm -hmm. And um, part of the history of the Smoky Mountain is the charcoal burning, mm -hmm. uh, literal ash heap. And, but you see, we, even in our little bit of a lifetime, we see uh, students who are. Uh, 
have lived in the most uh, horrific uh, extreme poverty situations mm. uh, with seemingly few opportunities, how <coughs> if they get the opportunities, well, you know, they, there's a guy called Eric, Eric, if you're listening to this, there's a guy called Eric, he now sells real estate, he's a real cool businessman, mm. I'll show you a picture later, um, you know, and He's from Smoky Mountain area. Mm. If you would see him now in his suit walking around the parts of the Middle, you would never guess his background. Yeah. And he's not ashamed of it. He'll talk yeah. to me about it. Yeah. He's very, also very thankful to his parents for always mm. pushing him to believe in himself. But that, that is the other thing that, um, uh, in fact, I'll give you an example of uh, one girl, um, Karina is her name. She's now a career woman. She's got a great job. Uh, she comes from a very poor background, even more, you know, her mother died when she was a young girl. Uh, her family experienced lots of intense things, not just extreme poverty. Uh, and she happens to be very smart. Mm. And <coughs> she was one of four that were picked to do a, um, a, this exchange with a Dutch high school. Oh yeah. And they spent 10 days in Holland. And they came back and, um, it's so good that and felt it was felt like a privilege the fact that she was sharing all these impressions. But mm. one of the most profound things that happened to her was that she was in Holland for that, that short part of time. Mm. But she realised that <coughs> um, by by being in those circumstances in that society for a short amount of time, she realised that she'd been raised to believe a lie in the Philippines. That somehow, because she was born into poverty, that's mm. kind of all she should expect, but being in a completely different environment for a short amount of time, she suddenly realized, she, and she believed not just an idea, but she realized the truth of the fact mm. that she had just as much right as anybody else yes. to make the most of any opportunity that came away. Mm. And because she happens to be super bright, mm. yeah, there, uh, mm. and she completed her university education, mm. she got a good training with uh, one of the companies that we work with. And it's got a great career. Um, wow. I see her on yeah. Facebook posting all this stuff. You'd never guess her background. And, um, but she, that's the other thing that happens in the process when they're part of the unfocused family, so to yeah. speak. It's not just financing the education, encouraging the parents, talking about nutrition, yeah. but it's also building, building, building their self-confidence yeah. so that they do realize that they have every right. So that when they've got that diploma or certificate in their hand, it's not just about that. It's about you know, believing yeah. in yourself to grab hold of you know, the jobs that come your way, yeah. the interviews that come your way. And okay, so we're talking about a very poor segment of <coughs> society. But I think we need to transfer that idea to the whole of society. Yeah. Because if you look at the history of the Philippines, um, they've been the Philippines has been abused generation after generation, whether it was yeah. the Spanish, yeah. um, the Japanese, or the Americans, yeah. or the other way around. You know, uh, it's, if you think about it, it's generation after generation. I'm not, I, you know, severe abuse, yeah. uh, terrible suffering, terrible treatment. Yeah. That has got to have an impact on you somewhere. It's got to give you the wrong message. Yeah. It's somehow, you know, you're not worth it because yeah. you're treated like worse than animals. Yeah. Uh, and <coughs> that's got to that's got to be. So, I, if you, in a sense, the problem isn't if there's a problem. It's not the Filipino. It's what happened. It's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's what people from my background did. Yeah. It's actually our fault. Yeah. Uh, not to get too heavy, but uh, yeah, that is. If you look at who's in the sitting in the room, who's standing in the room, it's not just 
you know, the Filipino nation, mm -hmm. there are other nations standing in the room mm -hmm. who are to blame, f uh, who are the reason uh, why uh, sometimes I think a Filipino person might doubt themselves yeah. and might, yeah. for whatever reason, not grab hold of, not believe that they have the right to grab hold of every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and it might not be their generation, it might be a previous generation. But, yeah. uh, um, and that is something that uh, <coughs> foreigners, in a sense, we, almost, we do have to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, I think that's very true, this, uh, the West has to accept responsibility. And there's, uh, yeah, I, I love that uh, you've put it very poetically um, in terms of uh, uh, em more empathy for the situation of the Filipino, mm. that it's something that's been passed down and to go back all the way 400 years ago to the Spanish. Mm. Um, it's hard to, that's a hangover that takes it some time. Mm. And I think uh, empathize with that situation, taking baby steps, going back to what you said about patience, mm. baby steps towards... Um, seeing Filipinos take control of their destiny and I'm sure that gives you the greatest joy of all when you see your own students thrive mm. when you see them believe mm. when you see them not just uh, preach but actually live uh, be a living example of mm. what Filipino excellence looks like mm. so um, I, we've been only here a few hours uh, but we, we see it we see mm. it in the in the, the way their their chest is so proud <laughs> the way they're they're passionate these are you have so many motivational speakers here and mm -hmm. they're just yes. speaking from the heart straight from the heart so um if they become leaders if they are actually already leaders but if that if, if uh, yeah in this country in the hands of such leaders mm. we have one of our um, one of our staff members when he was a student we might have talked to him um, sorry who are you thinking of because we might have talked to him oh you might have talked to him but anyway yeah. <laughs> uh, i would say uh, let's uh, let's move okay. on. Uh, <laughs> one of the members, we basically had to kick him out of bed in order to go to school, yeah. and and for a number of years, you know, we we actually didn't give up on him. Simply, talk to him. yeah, okay. <laughs> and he might have he might have told the story already about himself, but indeed, uh, he's now one of our most precious staff members we have, and uh, and so it indeed it was it, it it's a process. Mm. And you know, with people with that background, with kids with that background, it's it's not just giving them education and everything mm. happens. It just to there's, there's there's so many other factors. That's kind of the difference when the first time we were here in the Philippines in the beginning and now in the beginning when we were still young, I still had hair. <laughs> I was 28 years old, 29. We we had this uh, educational program and we indeed sponsored kids to go to school. That was basically all we did and we gave them Bible study whatever but but there was not much more than that um, we also we saw so many dropouts at time so we were here for five years we came back in 2008 with a, with a broader vision and knew that it should have been a more holistic approach mm. that indeed you look at the education we also look at indeed the background where they come yeah. from they need the guidance they need the yeah. tutorials they need they need the counseling they need the, the social worker there um, so it, it's so we made a, a fuller package so to speak yeah. in young focus and that someone like him that really helped him to actually yeah. achieve what he's, uh, where he's now and he's now one of our leaders here and he's got great potential amazing potential and uh, just education was not the answer yeah definitely not it was it was more needed than that yeah, like yeah. so we're coming to the end of our interview i'd like to do a rapid fire round so this will be uh, uh some quick questions from me and some uh, silence from us <laughs> no 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 some <laughs> some yeah i will rapid fire in its nature <laughs> so um 
we'll start with the best advice you ever got from a Filipino. So, what has been the be your best advice that you got from a <laughs> Filipino? Whether it be a Caspian or a, a piece of Filipino wisdom that you value the most? There's so much, man. It's just a whole culture, right? The culture <laughs> is a culture is something that, yeah, that's that's more than than advice, <laughs> and that's that's I think the the beauty, mm. uh, what I find of a culture that it's mm. more than just an advice or one yeah. specific thing, that has simply changed my life. Uh, I'm the, the way the, the way how I live, just the way how I think. Even though I can still say I'm Dutch, I'm super Dutch, and I respond many ways very Dutch. My wife knows. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's no way I can live as a Dutchman, normally Dutch, in the Netherlands, because they would think that I'm from another planet. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, yeah, the Filipino has really changed my life in, 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 in many ways. Mm. My whole way of thinking, my lifestyle, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And? Mm. Um, they bless me by laughing at my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, their laughter. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's 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 nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the question again? <laughs> yeah? um, <about laughs> your favorite piece of uh, yes, yeah, your best advice that you oh, got the best from advice. the Filipino. Oh yeah, they laugh oh, at me. The best advice. <laughs> 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 yeah. The best advice. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's came up. No um, advice. Oh, best advice. Oh, that's a difficult one. Yeah, it's something easy. It's okay, you can pause that because I'm going to later. Mm. I, I'm going to end with a very heavy question. So oh my you gosh! Prepare yourself <laughs> for that heavy question. <coughs> favorite place in the Philippines? Home. For, for to get away <coughs> to the most beautiful mm. piece that gives you so much joy. Home. Antipolo. Yeah. yeah. We're we're very. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, we were able to do differently than the first time. First time we were here, we lived and worked in this basically same area. <coughs> uh, we realized we needed to find somewhere green mm. if we were going to last more than maybe two years. And um, because of the beautiful nature here, yeah. uh, so we live in the hills of Antipolo. Nice. And that is our, that's our sanity. Yeah. The birds and the insects and the green mm. keeps us sane. Yeah, indeed, Antipolo is where we indeed live and that I, I, I see us as for us, it's the best place to live. But mm. I, I think I love Palawan. Yeah. I love really Palawan. And it's, uh, I think I haven't seen enough of that yet because it's a long stretch, the island, right? And, and I, I, th I think there's so much more to discover there that I haven't yeah. seen yet. So I would, uh, I would love to go there more often. Yeah. <laughs> um, I th you know, the thing is, with the work that we are doing, it's we should, take, we should travel more and we should uh, not always work and, and discover those places more often because Philippines is so beautiful, mm. so beautiful. Not just the beaches where we all, uh, can enjoy, but yeah. just, 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 just everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, food. Your favorite Filipino dish? Chicken adobo. Chicken adobo. Definitely chicken adobo. And then, and then add some things to it, like an egg, yeah. right? Not just adobo, an egg, and maybe some pineapple in there, yeah. and maybe anapa. Okay, there's other things we can put there, but indeed to make it really full with a, with a thick creamy sauce, yeah, uh, yeah. not not too greasy, but <laughs> a thick creamy sauce. Well, my wife makes adobo, so she's wondering if she makes it the way how I like it. <laughs> um, but no, it's definitely it's definitely a, a favorite. What about the opposite question? Not in a negative way, but a, a popular Filipino dish that you that you can't understand why it's so popular. Balut. Balut. Okay. <laughs> Would that be the same for you? 
Well, I've never tasted it. I mean, this is quite embarrassing being here for so many years and I never um, attempted to, to have it. And then people are wondering why, why not? Well, my, 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 usually my answer is there's so many Filipinos who have never eaten balut. So why, why me? <laughs> <laughs> why should I have balut if many Filipinos have never eaten it? Yeah, so it's a great counter argument. I think I might steal that from you. <laughs> right, thank you. <laughs> yes. If you yeah. were to write a billboard um, tomorrow, that will be seen by millions of Filipinos. So it's to write a message in a billboard that will be seen by millions of Filipinos tomorrow. What would you write on the billboard? What would that message say to millions of Filipinos? Hey, man, those questions are so philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, they might sound simple, but they're not, yeah. they're not that simple at all because it's only about the one thing, right? So yeah. it makes it very complicated. Um, you first. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds so again so cliche and it's even been made into an advert but because you're worth it yeah uh yeah, that's some politicians said it before yeah but you know pr compl a deep real belief in your worth yeah. your value um in this world mm as a nation, uh, and not because, you know, someone gave you a pep talk and so you should believe in yourself, but because that's the reality. You know, that, that every, uh, okay, I'll go down to, uh, we have an Ate who helps, runs, help, helps run our household for the last nine years. Yep. And, um, oh gosh, this is a big long story. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Compress. Um, I think after all these years, I think she genuinely, realizes that we truly believe she is as worthy and as valuable as mm. as anybody else as ourselves mm. uh, and before God in reality mm. um, rich and poor Filipino not Filipino uh, we are equal we're yeah. profoundly equal yeah. um, you know sometimes um, unfortunately too often we Westerners get put on a pedestal so it's mm. like positive discrimination mm. but that that's, that's so unhealthy because it's not reality so the reality is we're fellow human beings yeah. there's only one race the human race yeah. and it's amazing how we don't believe that mm. and, and once we do believe because the truth sets you free if you start thinking someone's more worthwhile and or you yeah or get uh, an ego about yourself okay. and no one wins from that yeah. Mm. But the, the, it's a tremendous, profound release to realize we are equal, kings and queens, yeah. um, princesses and princes, mm. the royal family. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, they're getting married. <laughs> uh, or, you know, um, yeah. the lady who's sweeping the street right now out yeah. there. No one's we better are than equal. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we don't have equal opportunities. Mm. Uh, we don't necessarily have equal talents. But in a profound way, we are equal. Mm. And that, that gives us, personally, a sense of place in the world. Yeah as well as sense of responsibility. Mm. Um, and when we see injustices, realize how obscene these injustices mm. are. You know, why should uh, certain people have to live like that? Mm. Mm. Well, Listening to you, I forgot the question. Yeah, me too, I forgot the question. <laughs> your, your message in a billboard oh, yes. that will be read by millions uh. of Filipinos tomorrow. Right, so, so what was the question again? Huh? Yeah, what's the message? Oh, the message of the billboard. billboard. What my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would say just 
just you know you are as human as any other human being in the world is <laughs> so and and I hate that I really hate it when uh, when foreigners are putting on a pedestal here mm -hmm. when they come it, it's, it's seriously um, I'm glad I can be normal myself here within the organization yeah. and, and of course there's always circumstances or you know where, where there is a difference there because mm -hmm. um, of course you go, you, you're also running the, the show here but um, but I, I just love it that we can be friends and on the same level here yeah. in this organization and I think that for me the, uh, that's uh, uh, really value that very much yeah. Yeah, so. okay I think we've reached our final question <coughs> get ready for the heavy one yeah, so, oh yeah we're, we're going to end with a heavy one and I uh, might like the heavy one better than the <laughs> <laughs> so it's your last day in the world um, and let's say everything that you've done up until this point has been raised, deleted, and that you had a pen and paper and you could write three truths that you've learned about life um, and to pass that on to your loved ones, the people that are to the next generation. So it's your, what would be the three, three truths that you would share that you've learned about life in your time here in this world? Okay, let's let's do back and forth, right? Okay. Then I can take right. <laughs> okay, that all people are equal. No, one, all people are equal. Yeah, and that's you for sure. Explains that in detail. Okay. Yeah. So number two. God is good. God is good. And he loves you. Oh, is that too? Mm -hmm. Oh, God <laughs> is good and he loves you. Yeah. Um, okay. What was again the question? <laughs> what, uh, what do you want to leave behind? Three, three truths that you've experienced. Yeah. That, you um, that um, gosh, man, this is so super heavy. Um, let's do that. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling okay, you with that. Ne you never stop learning. You never, uh, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Okay. Whether it's, whether it's going to school or university, mm. but you never stop learning. And yeah. you know, never, ever stop learning. Yeah, life is tough. It's not easy, um, but you learn a lot out of it. You you can get a lot out of it mm. uh, as long as you're open to that. Wonderful, wonderful. So, before can I just ask you guys? Because a lot of people have, are going to watch these videos, um, highlight some today. We're going to come back again, to take more clips. What is a call to action, that or an invitation that you would like to give? And maybe you don't have to. We can look at this camera. Mm -hmm. We can. What invitation would you like or offer that you would like to for Filipinos and some foreigners that are watching this of how they can? They're moved by the stories of Young Focus, and they want to somehow get involved, but they don't know how. What What can they do? What's the next step? The next step for people who are watching now. Um, for people watching now, what the next step is? Yeah. How to get involved? You mean the challenge? Yeah, oh, young, okay. young Focus or and any other work <laughs> that's building the Philippines. Okay, you got. It. <laughs> Um, look on our Facebook page, look on our website, uh, see more details, um, get in touch with us. Um, we're always um, happy for any kind of support, so whether it's financial or offering your time as a volunteer. Um, but yeah, ch check out our Facebook page, check out our website, and um, yeah, see, see if you get inspired. Exactly. 
Yeah, and don't do things out of pity, you know, because we have Filipinos here living on a garbage dump. Uh, we're also your kababayan, diba. But uh, don't do it out of that. But just see those people as as valuable people with yeah. talents and gifts. And yeah. and I think that's all the reason why we are doing this. We believe that every single person has talents and gifts that God has given to them. And we don't help out of pity. We help because they are human beings with talents and gift, gifting. So. Um, so be part of that and go to the website and go to the Facebook. Wow, I think that's a beautiful way to end our interview. Mm -hmm. So once again, thank you and thank you, Paul. You've uh, inspired this, this foreigner to become a better version of myself. Um, I was grateful that uh, three years ago, three almost four years ago, um, you sh you, how do I say this, created a model of what, how do I say, the good that can be done in this country. Mm. And I love the way that you've so humbly approached this, that you are really catalysts, facilitators of this, and that the, what the real cream that's rising to the top here is Filipino talent. Absolutely. And the, your, your students turned professionals, turned teachers, turned, uh, turned living examples of what this country can achieve in our lifetime and beyond. So thank you for being, playing a massive role behind the scenes and in front of the scenes in uh, facilitating, inspiring so many people in your home countries and in this country especially. I know there's a lot of um, Filipinos. That we use the drop in the ocean analogy one more time, but the whole, that ripple effect, it's, it's immeasurable, that ripple effect of what the work you're doing here. So thank you, thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me and my team to come here today and to be inspired and learn. And we will be back again very yeah, soon. So All right, we're welcome. And we're gonna steal some of your t-shirts. Yes. Steal by, <laughs> by. <laughs> Inappropriate words, steal. <laughs> we're very inspired by your t-shirts, so thank you so much for uh, yeah, allowing yeah. us today. Okay? Thank you, thank you guys, thank you. Hey, this is Mike again. Thank you so much for listening to the First World Philippines podcast. It would mean so much to me if you left a review, if you share this podcast, somehow help us spread the word. We do this for free. All we ask in return, please consider sharing this with your friends, people who love the Philippines, and people who want to become successful in this country. This is their podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode.